This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. That is Genesis 5-2. Guys, if that sounds like the beginning of the last episode, it's just like I told you in the last episode, we went a little bit long. I was running out of time, but I wanted to make sure to get the quick hitters in for this week. So that's what we're going to go ahead and do. But for any of you guys that watch this show on YouTube or on Rumble, you might be wondering what the heck happened with the last episode, episode 319. There was a problem with the video, so we didn't have the video available. So, But I wanted to make sure that it still got out to you in case that's where you like to get your content. So enjoy the audio-only version. And I'm so sorry. We'll make sure that the uh, problems don't persist in the future if we can help it. And guys, I just wanted to let you know as well, since we're kind of cutting the last episode into two because again normally I'm you know I kind of have a new normal where I do a big topic and then I do four or five quick hitters that's a you know it's quick subjects that are happening in the news if you guys would listen to a third episode I would consider you know extending those out so doing a Tuesday interview and then maybe doing like you know a Thursday just kind of open topic like what I did with the review of what is a woman by the Daily Wire and Matt Walsh and maybe we do a longer quick hitters if that's something that y'all would listen to and would like let me know. Let me know in the comments on any of these things. Let me know on social media. Shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. And I've had a lot of people asking here recently about me coming and appearing on their shows, and they're wondering how exactly to make that happen. Guys, as I've said all over the t- all over the place, every time I do an inter- interview or every time I do a podcast, if you want me to come speak live at your event, or on your podcast show, just shoot me and my team an email to info at undaunted.life. That's info at undaunted.life. And we will make sure we get to those as quickly as possible to see if we can make that work. So we're going to hit the quick hitters segment in this episode, and we're going to discuss the following. The attempted assassination of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh by a left-wing pro-abortion anti-gun Democrat. The major report detailing massive sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. The drag show at a gay bar in Texas here a couple weeks ago where parents subjected their children directly to sexual abuse, Major League Baseball players standing up to the LGBTQ plus revolution because of their Christian faith, and Fox News joining the LGBTQ plus revolution. But before we get into any of that, just a second ago, I saw this. Okay, so this news will be a couple days old probably by the time you hear this. But some of the biggest breaking news we've had in a year full of breaking news, and that is that the sainted, venerated, intellectual leader and protector of public health that defines a generation, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Tony Fauci, has COVID. Yes, you heard that right. If you've been living under a rock for the last couple of days, Dr. Anthony Fauci has COVID. And here's the deal. He's vaccinated. He's super boosted. And also, he's smarter and more virtuous than us. And even he got COVID astonishing. But without going too much further into that detail, because I really don't want to talk about it anymore because I don't want this episode to be throttled more than it already is. It looks like we finally come full circle because he has represented the intellectual elite. He is science. If you listen to him directly and even science can get sick. Now, I hope he makes a full recovery. I hope just like the overwhelming majority of people that got COVID, that he gets it and gets over it quickly. I, of course, do not wish any ill will on the man's health. But isn't it so interesting that he finally got it? 
I think it's hilarious. But let's go ahead and get into the quick hitters. Let's get into the first one, and that is the attempted assassination of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh by a left-wing pro-abortion anti-gun Democrat. So this is according to Mary Margaret Ulihan over the Daily Wire. A man allegedly caught lurking near U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home early last week, this would have been uh, you know a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday, has been charged with attempted murder of a federal judge. The Department of Justice confirmed to the Daily Wire. To the Daily Wire. A criminal complaint was filed today charging Nicholas John Rosk, age 26, of Simi Valley, California, for federal charges of attempted murder of a Supreme Court justice, FBI Baltimore Joyce Jiras said on Wednesday afternoon. Rosk is expected to have an initial appearance in the U.S. District Court in Greenbelt today at 3 p.m. before U.S. Magistrate Judge Timothy J. Sullivan. Nicholas J. Jo- or J. Rosk, 26, of Simi Valley, California, was arrested in the Washington suburb of Chevy Chase, Maryland, early Wednesday, police said. A DOJ affidavit detailed tells how Rosk allegedly traveled to Kavanaugh's home armed with weapons and burglary tools with the intent to kill the justice and prevent him from ruling on Second Amendment and abortion cases. So this guy literally came there with that express purpose, but it was very, very interesting to me how a lot of news outlets were pretending as if they didn't know that this was going to be a story. They didn't know that this was a story, and we'll get more into that here in just a second. But he literally showed up with a firearm with multiple magazines of ammunition with, uh, you know, breaking and entering tools with, you know, zip ties. Like he was planning on hurting Brett Kavanaugh and or killing him. And I mean, according to him, he came there specifically to kill this person. Now, there is a lot of violent rhetoric that is thrown around in general, in the general public now, especially on social media. Oh, I'm going to kill you or oh, I wish you should die. Those types of things. But the violent rhetoric only seems to be castigated if it comes from the right. Okay, but we ignore it if it comes from the left. Okay, because this guy's from the left. And as we'll again talk about here in just a second, this story went almost completely ignored. Okay, but the interesting thing is there are a lot of people that are willing to blame people like Donald Trump for what happened on January 6th or Donald Trump for anyone that expresses anything that has to do with white supremacy, even though there's no evidence whatsoever that Donald Trump himself is a white supremacist. But Every time something like this comes up, we're willing to say, oh, you know, this incite, there's incitement to things like this, but it doesn't happen with people on the left. So I remember when Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said, you know, I'm going to get you uh, or not, not I'm going to get you, but he's just like, you know, you've opened up the whirlwind. And if you do all these different things, everybody's kind of seen this thing from Chuck Schumer. But basically he was saying, you won't know what hits you, right? coming out with this very violent militant rhetoric towards him. And I believe it, the other uh, justice was Gorsuch that he was talking about, but no one's really talking about that now that somehow it's not Chuck Schumer's fault that this guy did this. Now, I don't believe it's his fault, right? But I'm trying to be intellectually consistent with people that blame individuals on the right for elevating rhetoric and then blaming them for the results of that. So think about this. A lot of people have pointed this out when a Bernie Sanders supporter went and shot up the congressional baseball uh, practice that was all GOP members. Nobody was blaming Bernie Sanders. And they shouldn't have been, again, to be clear. But you would think using that same person's logic and rhetoric that you could easily blame Bernie Sanders for elevating the negativity and rhetoric around GOP members. Y'all said Barack Obama. He wasn't blamed for all those police officers that were killed down in Dallas when Barack Obama basically did everything he could to increase the pressure on uh, police officers and increase the racial rhetoric here in this country. But again, I do find it very, very interesting that most of these people are completely unwilling to hang the tag around these people when someone like the Senate Majority Leader, a very, very serious figure in American politics, basically comes out and says, you won't know what hit you and all these different things. And, uh, you know, apparently it's not his fault. But almost... The bigger story here, even though 
you know, the almost someone basically trying to kill a justice is an enormous story. The bigger story is how the mainstream media treated it as if it wasn't a story at all. Okay, so this is again from Mary Margaret Ulihan over at the Daily Wire. Major news media outlets quickly passed over the alleged would-be assassin of the Supreme Court justice as they moved to coverage of the of Thursday, this is last Thursday's, public hearing that will disclose the findings of the January 6th committee investigating the Capitol riot. Conservatives on social media were quick to point out Thursday morning that the front pages of the print editions of the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Chicago Tribune, and USA Today did not highlight the incident above the fold or did not include the story at all. USA Today featured a story on the Uvalde families and survivors of the mass shooting. The Chicago Tribune and the New York Times zoned in on the January 6th hearing, and the Los Angeles Times highlighted President Joe Biden's trip to Los Angeles. In small font at the bottom of their front pages, the New York Times mentioned arrest near home of justice, and the Los Angeles Times mentioned man arrested at home of justice. Okay, Now, a lot of people have pointed this out by now, but it bears repeating. Can you imagine... If this were a right wing crazy person that was camped outside the house of Sotomayor or Kagan or Breyer or soon to be Jackson, for whatever reason, it could be about a case. It could be about something specific. But can you imagine? Again, three of those people would be women, so it would be an anti-woman thing. One of the or two of those people are women of color, so it could be a you know anti-brown or black people type of a thing. But just would. You would not be hearing the end of it. Again, most of these uh, most of these places that do the news and you know all these news media outlets, most of them ignored it or just barely mentioned it and then moved on. We would still be hearing about this, and this would be used in the run up to the 2022 midterms and the 2024 presidential election if it had happened to a liberal justice. We we know that to be true, and it shouldn't be. We shouldn't have to point that out. But it's just crazy to me, the, the wild inconsistency, because someone the very, very next day, so this happened on Wednesday, the very, very next day on Thursday, someone went to like the New York Times and scrolled through their, their top news page, and it was like 35th down. Again, one of nine justices, basically there was an attempt on their life and nobody was talking about it, okay? And those that were in the mainstream media that did actually talk about this, they said, oh, well, we don't really know the guy's motivation for being there. You know, we still have to get more information. So anytime there's a shooting of a police officer shooting a black person, we don't have to wait for more information. We already know the outcome. It was a racist white officer that was hunting a black person and decided to shoot that one that day. But this guy freaking told us while he was there. He told us why he showed up in the first place, and it was to kill Brett Kavanaugh. And yet the mainstream media is like, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know what he's doing there. I'm completely flummoxed. But the big takeaway for me from this first story is that rhetoric does have consequences, okay? But individuals are responsible for their own actions, okay? So I may not like a lot of the rhetoric that Donald Trump did, you know, especially after he lost the election to Joe Biden, but he is not responsible for people deciding to storm the Capitol. And again, there's a lot of stuff around the Capitol riots that stinks to high heaven, but that's not what this podcast is about. I think that Barack Obama has... Uh, some culpability in some of the things that he was saying that increased the negativity towards cops, but he's not responsible for pulling the trigger and killing those four cops in Dallas years ago. Bernie Sanders is not responsible for his follower that went and shot up Republicans while they were practicing. But rhetoric does have consequences for people. Okay. That's why I said rhetoric has consequences, but everyone is their own person, but we should all be very wary of that. Okay. We should be wary of our own tongues when we're around our families. We, if we are in a public position or in a leadership position, we should be very, very careful about what we say and how we say it because it could have ramifications for people who are impressionable. Okay. Now 
I hope this guy, you know, goes down for the maximum cause for, you know, basically trying to kill a justice. You know, hopefully justice is served here, no pun intended. But at the end of the day, we have to make sure we mind our tongues, but all of us have to take care of our own selves and our own actions. All right, let's get into the next quick hitter here. The major report detailing massive sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. So I've been wanting to talk about this one for a very, very long time, but it just hasn't really worked in the schedule. So I'm just going to sneak it in here with the quick hitter segment. So here we go. According to Liam Adam of the Nashville, Tennessean via Yahoo News. The release of a bombshell report on Sunday afternoon, this would have been several Sundays ago, about Southern Baptist Convention leaders' mishandling of a sexual abuse crisis shocked those inside and outside of the nation's largest Protestant denomination. The report from Guidepost Solutions, an investigative firm, was explosive and implicated some SBC leaders in ways that surprised many. The report followed a months-long investigation that an overwhelming majority of Southern Baptist voting delegates authorized at the convention's annual meeting in June 2021 in Nashville. Details of the report. It exposed a pattern of SBC leaders ignoring reports of abuse at Southern Baptist churches and dismissing survivors' recommendations for reform. Often, the legal counsel for the Nashville based SBC and the SBC Executive Committee, which acts on behalf of the full convention when it is not in session, advise leaders to do nothing due to the concerns of legal liability, the report said. The report also stated the following revealed that high-ranking staff maintained a list with hundreds of names of ministers accused of sexual misconduct for 10 years but did nothing with that list. At one point, the list had 703 names. Meanwhile, those same leaders told survivors that proposals for a clergy abuse database violated the convention's governance structure. Also, detailed a credible allegation of sexual assault against former SBC president Johnny Hunt a month after his term ended in 2010. Hunt denied the allegations in a statement Sunday night. Again, this would have been several Sundays ago. And also detail showed that many SBC leadership mocked or slandered abuse survivors behind survivors' backs over email. Okay, so just some random thoughts here. The first thing that I thought of is that the Catholic Church doesn't have the market cornered on religious groups as sexual assaults, okay? Because there's been a lot of hubbub made about what happened in the Catholic Church and for good reason. But the Catholic Church was just the most organized entity that did this, okay? So obviously, the, the egregious nature of just the things that we know about, about the Catholic Church just moving people around and moving them from this place where they assaulted children to that place where they assaulted children to this place over here that's a little bit more secretive so that they can continue to assault children and not bring justice down on these people. The Catholic Church deserves every last bit of negativity for what they did. I mean, just horrific things, lives that were lost, lives that were destroyed by these men. But they're not the only ones. So it's not shocking to me whatsoever that some similar things would happen in the SBC or any denomination or any group whatsoever. Which really leads to to the next thing that I want to talk about in terms of this is that parents out there, okay, again, I am one now, but a lot of you guys are parents. Parents should never fully trust people that are caring for their children. Never. Now, realize that I, I put a very specific word in there. They should never fully trust the people that are caring for their children. It's fine to trust them, but you should always keep an eye open. You should always keep your head on a swivel. You should always make sure that you're paying enough attention and you've got your you know, face out of your phone so that if something seems awry, that you're the first one that notices, that it has, doesn't have to be brought to your attention. So in that group of people that you should never trust fully are preachers, teachers, coaches, scout leaders, family members, the list can go on and on. Because when you hear these stories of children that have suffered sexual abuse from pedophiles, 
Those are the categories that these people fall into. Preachers, teachers, coaches, scout leaders, family members, etc. Adults that are taking care of anonymous situations or private situations so that they can take advantage of children. Okay. Now, I know this report is detailing sexual assaults of adults as well, but it does detail assaults on children. Okay. So I guess here's the big takeaway that I would have for this story. And then maybe I can talk about a little bit more at length on a a future episode. But when it comes to sexual assault of any kind, there are two steps that you need to do. Okay. If you're in leadership, number one, trust, but verify, and that's heavy on verification. Step two, react as strongly as you're able to. So if you're in a leadership position at a church, if you're in a leadership position at a school, if you're in a leadership position in a company, if you're in a leadership position in a family and someone comes to you with a credible accusation of sexual assault, again, step one, trust, but verify. Okay. It's not believe all women. It's not believe all children. It's not believe all men. Trust that what they're telling you is the truth enough to where it takes you to the point where you're verifying it, which will require an investigation. Okay. Like we can deal with the media. We can get a PR firm to help us figure out what we need to say and what we need to do, but you need to verify that this thing actually happened. And once you've done so, you need to react as strongly as you're able to because the cover up is always the worst, right? You know, you heard that from your parents. It's like, you know, the lie was bad, but trying to cover it up made it way worse. And it almost always rang true, right? But what is the negative? Right. So, so let's say you're a lead pastor. I know there's some lead pastors that listen to the show and let's say it's your music minister. Okay. That someone credibly accuses this person of sexual assault, another person, another member of the church. And you find out that it was true, like in your own investigation, or maybe you, you bring the police in immediately or something like that. You find out that it's true. Not only do you report that person to the authorities, if you haven't done so already, you fire them, you, you get them away from any of the people that they could do this to again. And if you find out that they're looking for employment at other places at other churches, make sure that those churches are aware. I think that that is very, very fair in this exact moment. Okay. I don't understand why all these places feel like, oh gosh, you know, if we report this to the media or if we act in any way, it's going to be some bad press. Is that worse than the press that's come to the SBC in the last few weeks? If we had known that the SBC was taking allegations of sexual assault on its members seriously, like, how could that be a negative thing, knowing that they were taking it seriously? Because now you have all these people questioning, like, oh my gosh, what else is going on that we don't know about? And I do like that there are people that are kind of pushing back. I saw this video, I think I shared it on Instagram or TikTok or somewhere, but there was a pastor that was implicated in the SBC, uh, you know, the sexual assault allegation report and all that. So he gets up in front of his congregation and he's basically apologizing and saying, you know, I'm taking some time away from the ministry and I want you all to pray for me. He's basically trying to create a soft landing for him because of all the horrific things that he did. But lo and behold, one of the girls that he had raped when she was like 16 years old, stormed onto the the stage where this guy was chatting, snatches the microphone and then turns to the congregation and tells them what had happened to her. And then they have this kind of really awkward moment, you know, kind of going back and forth and all that. And, you know, there are people screaming at him that he needs to go to jail and all these different things. More of that, please. I hate that that young lady had to get up on stage and confront her accuser like that. But she has got big brass balls. I mean, my goodness, to go up there and stand five feet away from this monster that took advantage of his position as a person and man of God to rape her. 
and say, no more. I will be silent no longer, and I'm not going to allow you to create this soft bed. I'm not going to allow you to create this soft place to land. I'm not going to allow you to create this springboard to your next ministry opportunity or your next book. No, thank you. So if you are a victim, I want you to go out of your way to make sure that these people can't victimize anyone else. And if you are in a congregation and you are thinking about giving your pastor a pass because you like them because their sermons are funny sometimes or because they've taught you a thing or two, I'm sorry, but no. The answer is no. We need to eradicate these evil people from our churches, from our schools, from our kids' teams. Family members need to be pushed outside the family if they have done these things to people in your life, okay? Understand that that seems very non-graceful and all these horrific things, but no, these people need to be put out. You can work on the grace thing later. You've got to get these predators away from their potential prey. All right, let's get into the next quick hitter here. The drag show at a gay bar in Texas a couple of weeks ago where parents subjected their children to sexual abuse. So this is according to Paul Saka over at Blaze Media. A Texas gay bar hosted a Drag the Kids to Pride event where drag queen dancers provocatively gyrated in front of children as young as toddlers. Tensions flared when protesters demonstrated outside the venue hosting the drag queen show for children. The Mr. Mr., get it, Mr., M-I-S-S-T-E-R, gay bar in downtown Dallas hosted a drag queen event aimed at children. A poster for the Drag the Kids to Pride event claims it is a ultimate family-friendly pride experience. Our under-21 guests can enjoy a special Mr. Mr. mocktails while the moms and dads can sip on one of our classic Mr. Mr. Mimosas or Mimosa Towers, the poster reads. Do you want to hit the stage with the queens? We have five limited spots for young performers to take the stage solo or with a queen of their choosing. Come hang out with the Queens and enjoy the unique pride experience fit for guests of all ages. Okay. Now, as many people pointed out, the videos of this event are absolutely horrific. A lot of the children that are there look incredibly uncomfortable. Their demonic parents are coaxing them into going and dance, dancing with these horrifically terrible satanic people. These men that are dressing up as highly sexualized versions of women. There was a neon sign in the back of the bar that said, it's not going to lick itself. And there was another one that said, I licked it, so it's mine. Okay? So, there were a lot of people that are on the pro-drag queen side of things that either didn't want to touch this or they went way to the other side and said, this is fine. Children need to be exposed to drag. Drag is beautiful. Drag is great. You know, this is just an expression of a queer identity or of a trans identity or something like that, and children need to get used to it. Okay? But then, most people with a functioning brain thought that this was horrific and child abuse which it is. These children did not consent to going there. Again, some of the children in the videos looked visibly uncomfortable with what was happening. Why? Because it should make them uncomfortable. Seeing grown men with five o'clock shadows wearing, you know, fake breasts and, and dancing around and all these different things and then being forced by your parents to do the same would make any young kid with their mind screwed on straight, with their head screwed on straight, it would make them think that this is weird, this is wrong, okay? But obviously, It's child abuse, but it's also grooming behavior because again, people want to fight back against the grooming label. Like, oh, you can't just label anything you don't like as grooming or whatever. But what is this if not grooming? And since this has happened, I've seen other pictures and I post a lot of them on our Instagram and Facebook of these men going to these drag queen story hours, spreading their legs and they're not wearing underwear. And the kids are obviously at eye level of these people's junk. And we're looking at these things and what they're doing is they're getting young kids used to grown adult males doing things that are sexually provocative. 
How is that not grooming? How is that not grooming? There have to be states. And again, this happened in Texas. So if you think it can't happen in your state, again, I live in one of the reddest states in the union, Oklahoma. If you don't think this can happen in your state, you are naive. Your head is in the sand. It can obviously happen around you. And if you're in a separated relationship, you got to make sure that's not something that, you know, your kid's father or your kid's, you know, uh, mothers would take them to. All right. This is horrific. But there was one thing that I thought was interesting as there was video of these protesters outside, again, these are protesters that are against all this nonsense, shouting down some of the performers, if you can even call them that, as they were walking back to their cars. So again, these are fully adult men that are dressing up as women and then dancing sexually and provocatively in front of young children. And these people shouted at them and shamed them and called them, called them names and said they were, they were terrible. Why do you do that? Why would you want to do this in front of kids? They made it very, very awkward for these people. And I say more of that, more of that, please give me 10 more of those. And then a hundred more thereafter. Okay. Because part of the reason why these things keep happening is because there is no resistance. There's no resistance from parents. There's no resistance from the local magistrates. There's no resistance from the public. Okay. Now that is not me calling for violence against these people or, or anything like that. I of course would never say that you should do that unless you've actually witnessed or are in the process of witnessing them abusing the child sexually or something like that. Then yeah, you know, just knock them out, destroy them, like do whatever you need to do. But these people have to realize that what they're doing is terrible. And the public needs to realize that there are a lot of people that are not being silent anymore about this nonsense child abuse that is happening. And also the grooming behavior that is taking place in front of children. As a society, we have a mandate to protect our children. I talked about this in the last episode about protecting women and protecting children. So as Christian men, we know that we're supposed to do that. But as society, we have this agreement that we are here to protect children. I mean, just think about it. You know, I was making fun of Dr. Fauci for getting COVID earlier. But again, and I said this two years ago when COVID was all over the news, if this were flipped and it wasn't old people that are mainly dying from COVID or fat people or people that have, you know, all these comorbidities, if it wasn't them dying from COVID, but instead it was children that were dying from COVID, we would have shut down the entire planet and been willing to go back to the stone ages to protect our children. You can guarantee that if the death rates for children were astronomically high, as opposed to basically being non-existent, we would have shut down everything and just dealt with the consequences after we got past the virus. Because we know societally, we have made a collective agreement that children are important and they are important enough for us to protect them except half the population doesn't believe that as long as they're still residing in their mother's womb. But again, that's not today's subject. But my big takeaway for this story is that this will only become normal if we stay silent. Again, I talk about this all the time now. Conservatives and Christians are finally waking up and realizing that going on the offense is better than staying defensive all the time. You can't just get pushed on and poked at and prodded at all the time and then push back when, you know, they've finally crossed the line. The first time you see something like this, you push back against it immediately, immediately. If someone's saying they want to, you know, coordinate a drag queen story hour at your school, you take time off work, you do whatever you got to do. You go down there and you stop it. Okay. Even if they're in the middle of doing this little thing, you walk up on stage or you walk up in front of them and be like, no, absolutely not. Make them arrest you. Make the cops show up and arrest you and make sure somebody gets it on camera. So we have a viewpoint of a concerned citizen getting up and stopping this child abuse show and not stopping the child abuse itself. Cause that's one thing that people were pointing out about Dallas PD is they were only getting after the protesters outside and not after the people that were inside that had, you know, children basically at this highly sexualized venue. Okay. But again, if we stay silent, if we pretend as if this is normal, it will become normal. 
And then it'll be harder and harder to turn people's minds around because you know how it goes. When something becomes normalized, then it's so hard for people to turn the other way. But that is the number one thing that we absolutely have to do in this case. All right, next quick hitter here. Major League Baseball players standing up to the LGBTQ plus revolution because of their Christian faith. So a lot of you, if you don't follow baseball or if it didn't really pop on your, up on your news, I think this is an important story. So this is according to Matt Lavides over at ABC News. Five Tampa Bay Rays players opted out of wearing LGBTQ pride-themed uniforms during the team's annual Pride Night event. In honor of Pride Month, which is celebrating, celebrated during the month of June to show support for the LGBTQ community, the Florida-based Major League Baseball team added rainbow accents to its official uniforms for its Saturday game against the Chicago White Sox. This was a few weeks ago. But five players, all pitchers, Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, and Ryan Thompson declined to wear the pride-themed jerseys, citing religious beliefs. When we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe, not that they look down on anybody or think differently, it's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus, who encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior, Adam told the Tampa Bay Times after Saturday's game. It's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just what we believe the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good, not to withhold, the pitcher continued. But again, we love these men and women. We care about them and we want them to feel safe and welcome here. Okay. So as you can imagine, the reaction was through the roof for a lot of these people. These pitchers were called horrible names. They were called bigoted. They were called transphobic and gay phobic and, and you know, whatever phobic. They just kind of added a whole bunch of things in there. There were other players like the stupid idiot, Jack Flaherty, who is one of the pitchers for the St. Louis Cardinals was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Why wouldn't they just wear it? And the other thing that I thought was interesting is very, very few Christians that I saw stood up for these guys. I thought that was interesting. Like, this would be one of those times where Christians stood up and said, no, I mean, you know, we love gay people. You know, Jesus wanted us to, to love on these people and all that, but we're just not going to do that because of our faith. I thought Christians should have galvanized way more around these guys, but they didn't. So I'm trying to bring a little bit more attention to these five pitchers into this story. But the, the first thing I thought of in terms of this is it's not really a story. It's not. So you're telling me there was an alternate jersey that is supporting a very specific worldview that is antithetical to any type of Judeo-Christian ethic, and five pitchers on that team that opted into that Judeo-Christian ethic said, no, thank you. I do not wish to put a rainbow on the logo, which is on the patch on my sleeve of my jersey. This is a non-story. This is not a big deal. But I will tell you that I have thought about that before because I remember when the United States men's national team at one point put, uh, you know, this is a soccer team, they put rainbows on their jersey colors and or the jersey numbers rather and all those different things. And I thought about it because I was like, you know, I was a collegiate goalie and it's like I would have never been a professional goalie by any stretch of the imagination. But like, what if I was on that team? What would I do? Because the moment you say, no, I'm not going to do that, like you're risking your entire career. And that's exactly what these five men did. Again, those were names that you probably didn't recognize. Because one, they play for the Tampa Bay Rays, and that's not really a team that has a whole lot of superstars. But these are relief pitchers for the most part. Those guys can have really, really short careers and not make it a, a whole boatload of money. And these guys risked their careers to say, no, I'm just not down with that. And so it's supposed to be this national outrage story that they talk about all day on ESPN for a week. But the second thing I wanted to talk about is the same people that loudly supported Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the national anthem are the same people loudly decrying these baseball players for refusing to kneel to the LGBTQ plus mob. That should tell you something. So these people are okay with you kneeling and disrespecting the flag of this great nation, the greatest nation in the history of humanity. But if players say, 
you know what? Uh, I know it's Pride Month and I know we do that as a team and all that. And hey, we want to make sure these people are present and we want to let them know that they are welcome here. But that's just not something that we want to represent on our bodies. Again, has anyone used the my body, my choice moniker for these Christian men? Because you want to emblazon on them something that they're wearing on their body. That is something that they vehemently disagree with. My body, my choice, right? They have full bodily autonomy, right? They shouldn't have to wear that. But again, these people aren't intellectually consistent. They're intellectual cowards, if anything. But the, dig, the, 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 the big thing that I want to kind of talk about here, the big takeaway, is at some point, you're going to have to take a stand. And I'm talking about you listening to this episode. You're going to have to take a stand. And you need to make the decision about what you're going to do in that moment. Now, a decision might be coming for you, okay? I've been getting a lot of emails this month, and I've gotten direct messages, and really for the last several years, from people, whether it's, you know, the, the COVID vaccin vaccination mandates, whether it's Pride Month stuff or LGBTQ stuff or something like that. And there are people that were working at companies right now that are doing everything they can to cater to the LGBTQ plus thing. They're putting rainbows in the logos. They're, they're forcing you to go through this LGBTQ sensitivity training and all those different things. And now there are a lot of companies that are requiring you to participate in a lot of those things, okay? So I would say for you, because people are like, what should I do? Should I quit? Should I whatever? And first of all, let me just give you a blanket statement. I can't answer that for you. I just can't, right? Because I don't know you. I don't know your family. I don't know your financial situation. I don't know, you know about your resume or your Vita, how easy it would be to transfer to a different company. Hey, are you going to have to move? Can you move? Like, I can't get into all those things. When you send me a two-paragraph email and you want me to fill in the blanks, it's just it's impossible for me to do that. But everybody has a tipping point and everybody has a point where when they go that next step, it's going to violate their conscience and you should not put yourself in that position. But if your company, I, I will just give some blanket advice. If you work for a company that decided to change their Twitter logo to create a little rainbow, whatever mural behind it or something like that, and that's all they're doing for the LGBTQ stuff, just realize that your company is signaling. Is that worth going into HR and putting in your resignation today? I would say probably not. The company's doing something so that they can avoid, you know, negative uh, press and, oh, well, they didn't change their logo. I wonder what kind of bigots work there. That doesn't directly affect you. But when the company starts enacting policies that require you to participate in things like this, like they did with the Tampa Bay Rays, saying, here's the patch, you have to wear it, right? And not really giving you a way out, even though I guess these pitchers did find a way out, they didn't wear the patches. You've got to know how you're going to react in that situation. You have to pre-decide what is too far for you, okay? That's a very, very big thing, and it's something that you need to decide on right now. All right, let's go to the last quick hitter here. Fox News joins the LGBTQ plus revolution. I hate this story, but we got to talk about it. So Fox News ran a little vignette about a little kid named Rylan Whittington transitioning as part of their America Together LGBTQ plus Pride Month series over the weekend. Okay, so just so you know, Rylan Whittington is a girl. Okay, so when I say Rylan and you think, boy, you're wrong, it is a girl. Okay, but his parents, or sorry, but her parents, right? So here I am already messing up the pronouns because it's all this nonsense. But her parents are raising her as a boy named Rylan. Okay. So according to her parents, this young lady came out, big air quotes, came out at five years old as trans. At five years old. How many of you guys have had five-year-olds? Do they know the difference between real and fake? Do they know that the Incredible Hulk is not really a guy that gets mad and turns green and gets super buff? 
They're, they're five years old. Do they know that? So they're claiming that she came out as trans at five years old and that even before she could talk would indicate that she was a boy. Or, you know, as soon as she could talk, it was indicating that she was a boy. Again, so my eldest son is just over two years old and he can talk sort of, he can sort of speak in really, really short, stupid sentences, but he doesn't know just about anything. He barely knows the difference between a whale and a shark. He barely knows the difference between a chip and a pretzel. But apparently, according to this kid's parents, this kid knew at that age that they were not the gender that they were supposedly assigned at birth. Okay. So in this little vignette, they're showing this happy family and they're showing this young lady who's presenting herself as a young boy, you know, short kind of feathered hair and, you know, boy, boy shorts and boy shirt and all those different things. And they're throwing the baseball around and it's this really glowing piece. But the mom threw out the most BS quote during this interview. This is a quote. For me, it's just a deep spiritual belief that you believe in God and he, you know, created us the way he wanted us. So yes, he created Ryland just the way he is. And right before that, the person that was doing this little vignette, the person from Fox News kind of set this up as like, you know, it's her conservative Christian faith that has led her through these moments, right? And she also gave us the ace of spades trope, which is this quote, I'd rather have a living son than a dead daughter, unquote. Now, obviously that flies in the face of reality because most of these people that do go through transitioning still have insanely high rates of suicidality compared to the rest of the populace. But this mother, again, was, was talking about these things and talking through these things. But another thing you have to realize about this mother is she's made money off of her kid, quote unquote, transitioning because she's made appearances. She's written a book. She's done all these different things. So she's carrying around her young daughter as a young boy, as an accessory. I talked about this in the last episode. That's something that a lot of parents are doing. But the Fox News host ended the segment by complimenting Ryland and her family on the, and this was a quote he used, extraordinary courage that they were displaying. Extraordinary courage that this family was displaying, basically playing into the delusion that their daughter is a son. Okay, so my reaction to all this is if I had seen, if I had been shown clips of this or if I had been shown the entire vignette with, without the Chiron, right, with the Chiron missing and without the intro and outro, I would have 100% and obviously guessed it was from CNN or MSNBC. The fact that this happened on Fox News should shock us, right? It should absolutely shock us, okay? But I wish I was more surprised. But I really wasn't that surprised. Because just a few months ago, Fox News hired Caitlyn Jenner as a correspondent. Now, I'm using Caitlyn's name because that is his chosen now, but this is obviously the formerly known as Bruce Jenner, right? So this is a biological male that thinks he's a woman, uh, you know, named Caitlyn Jenner and all those different things. They hired Caitlyn Jenner as a correspondent. And then wouldn't you know it, the very next Pride Month after that happens, they're doing entire vignettes on it. And apparently a lot of the employees of Fox News were absolutely destroyed by this. They could not believe that they had been betrayed in this way. The other thing that in terms of my reaction is this entire video was the height of propaganda. It had all the elements that you would think of if you were going to make a propaganda that was supporting a particular, you know, countercultural lifestyle. Everything was in a positive light. 
They, they didn't talk about any of the side effects. They didn't talk about any of the negative things that have happened unless they were talking about, you know, people, you know, don't really understand us. And, you know, we understand now. So we're better than those people. Like it was such a propping propagandistic thing that it was just I, I couldn't believe what I was watching at the moment just in general. And then it was on Fox News. And people have used the word betrayal to describe what Fox News did here, but they're right in a way. Uh, a lot of these people say they feel betrayed and all that because we've been sold a bill of goods that the only mainstream media TV outlet is Fox News. And so as a supporter of Fox News, which I am, or any of you guys out there that support Fox News, you should demand better from them because I'm okay with them talking to this family and, and presenting this family and kind of what they've done and what they've decided to do. But you've got to present it in a way that is consistent with a conservative viewpoint, which is that this is wrong, that they should not be doing this, that this is a big, bad thing that we should not be going, going with here. But something that I pointed out in the last episode is that big pharma and hospitals, but we'll specifically focus on big pharma, they seem to make a lot of money from kids transitioning to the other gender. I think the quote uh, that I uh, brought from that documentary was that each kid that transitions, which is not a real thing that can happen, but each kid that purports to transition to the different sex, that, co- that gets $1.3 million of revenue to the pharmaceutical industry. $1.3 million. And the largest portion of people that advertise on Fox News' shows all throughout the day, not just the evening shows, are pharma companies. So call me cynical, call me a conspiracy theorist, look at me and pretend like I've got a tinfoil hat on, but it's kind of interesting to me that this company stands to make a lot of money from the pharmaceutical industry and they're directly advertising with them and they're propagating this propaganda about kids transitioning. How convenient, how interesting. Going against the overwhelming opinions of their viewers and allowing something like this to go on air, but. They could be making a nice bag from it, for all we know. But in terms of what this means, as with Christianity now having this internal fight between, you know, woke Christians and and biblically-based Christians, which I've talked a lot about here on recent episodes, we now have a fight between woke conservatives and real conservatives. And this is saddening, maddening, that as a conservative, you can't fight back against the wokeness and culture because you're having to fight back against the wokeness in your own movement. So some of us are seeing this with things like what happened to Fox News. Some of you are a little bit worried about what Democrats are basically influencing Republicans in the Senate to do when it comes to uh, removal of certain gun rights or or restrictions in, in that way. And I think that's a valid concern because I don't believe that every Republican is a conservative. Because I am a conservative Republican, you know, Republican comes after conservative. And I'm, I'm worried about that fight for Republicanism overall. Also, what it means is we may very well be just a few years away from having zero major networks that are legitimately and consistently right leaning or legitimately and consistently conservative. Again, we have been sold that Fox News is a conservative alternative to CNN and MSNBC. Again, the websites and all that, you know, podcasts and all that, that's a little bit different, but that's the bill of goods that we've been sold. But if they keep going down this road, like, is Fox News just going to be CNN light? Right? Are they going to be MSNBC adjacent? That's something that we need to pay attention to. But the big takeaway here on the last quick hitter is don't ever fall in love with any news or media outlet. Don't ever fall in love with one because there are ones that I, I love that I support. I love The Blaze. I love The Daily Wire. I, I love, uh, you know, Fox News for the most part. 
But these entities can always let you down. And just like you should keep your head on a swivel with, you know, people that are taking care of your kids, you, can, you should keep your head on a swivel and pay attention to what's happening with people that are running your media. These people are influencing you to think a certain way, to look at news stories in a certain way. You've got to make sure that you don't just buy it hook, line, and sinker. We have to keep paying attention. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So today, I've got links to all the stories that we talked about here in the quick, sitter se- uh, quick hitter segment. No, I don't have anything on Justice or Justice Kavanaugh. Could you? Okay, we're going to go ahead and just reset that entire thing. We've got stuff on Justice Kavanaugh, but we don't have stuff on Anthony Fauci. There, did I spit it all out? Can you tell I haven't slept a whole lot this week? Guys, we've got stuff on Kavanaugh. We've got stuff on the Southern Baptist Convention. We've got everything on the baseball players, on the the gay pride thing that happened with the kids at the drag show. We've got stuff on the pride stuff with Fox News. It's all there in the show notes. Guys, will you just let me go to bed? I'm just trying to wrap it up here. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe. Rately is a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, again, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah